So Money, episode 1287, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It's countdown to the end of the year. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. You're listening to So Money. You probably knew that already. A lot of you have been sharing on social media, Instagram, direct messaging me that So Money was your number one or maybe among your top five podcasts listened to all this year. That's pretty amazing. I love seeing that. So keep sharing with me. I'll share with the world. Uh, this is incredible. If, if you've been listening to a financial podcast, whether it's this one or another one consecutively for weeks and months throughout the year, I mean, I, I got to believe that you're in a much better financial place because we know that so much of managing our money well, it is about math, but it's also so much about mindset. And I'd like to think that this show helps us get in the right frame of mind. Luck also helps. <laughs> We've learned that too on the show, haven't we? That the circumstances with which you are brought into the world and the privileges that we are given um, throughout the years also help us achieve financial wellness. But uh, today we're going to help you answer your money questions. I got quite a few questions uh, in the last week. I think people had some time off over Thanksgiving and <laughs> it inspired some some financial questions. And as we head to the end of the year, we want to finish strong. So I want to help as many people as possible today. I want to first say thank you, though, to our reviewer of the week. I've uh, maybe not done this in a couple of weeks, but this week we've got a really nice review left by Charlotte, Charlotte452, who says the show has changed her life. Well, actually, she says I've changed her life. Farnoosh has changed my life. That's the title of the review. Five stars. Here's what Charlotte says. She says, I'm the youngest of two now grown women. We were taught the financial basics growing up, but when I graduated, at college, I realized I didn't even know the difference between a 401k and a 403b. Uh, I didn't know that either, Charlotte, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I don't think most of us know that sort of stuff, unless maybe our parents worked for retirement benefits companies. But anyway, she says, I stumbled upon Farnoosh's podcast just about two years ago. I haven't missed an episode since. Um, I love that I can now be a source of financial wisdom for my friends. Well, I'm so glad I'm giving you that cool factor, Charlotte. Feel free to get in touch with me. You can direct message me on Instagram. You can email me. Farnoosh had so many podcasts. Let me know you left this review and I'll send you a calendar link where you can select a time for us to chat about whatever you want, whatever you need help with or just want to bounce ideas off me about your financial goals, your financial plans. Lots in store for us as 2022 approaches. Soon, I'm going to have a phone number that you can text to send me your questions. I'll send you updates, podcast updates. If texting is your preferred method of communicating with me, well, now that's going to be an option soon. And I'm also releasing our new CNET Money YouTube channel next week, Wednesday. So stay tuned for that, where every Wednesday on CNET Money on YouTube, I'll be providing some advice. And there also you have the chance to submit your questions if you prefer to learn on YouTube. Well, that's also going to be an option. I think you know the theme here. I'm expanding. It's all about scaling and expansion. That's been part of the excitement of joining uh, the folks at CNET. And 
as always, you, sh- you should sign up for my newsletter, which I am revamping. Um, I've been a little inconsistent, I'll admit, with the newsletter, but starting in the new year, it's going to be once a week and it's going to have a lot of information, a lot of good stuff, updates. And so if you aren't yet following the show and me via the newsletter, you can sign up on the So Money Podcast website. Very simple to do. How's everyone's week been? Post Thanksgiving, I feel like I needed a vacation after a week of hosting my family. Persian mom and Persian dad were here from the West Coast. My brother and his girlfriend here as well. It was actually pretty uneventful, which is which means that it was it was good. It was it was a well run week. Uh, no drama. We actually got a chance to go into New York City on Saturday after Thanksgiving. And where we were was pretty quiet. The Upper West Side, not a lot of crowds, which was good. We went to a Persian restaurant on the Upper East Side called Persepolis. If anyone's ever looking for a good Persian meal in New York City, Persepolis on the East Side is one of my favorites. Also, Ravag downtown is really good. I think they've got a couple of locations. We also hit up the mall on Black Friday. I don't know what we were thinking. (laughs) We also lucked out there because when we arrived, we, you know, it was it was crowded, but it wasn't insane. And as we were leaving, that's when the insanity arrived. Uh, We got in, we got out. The very first thing that my husband spotted when he walked into the mall, we parked, we went in through the gap, which was just a logistical thing. And we come out and immediately there's this calendar kiosk in the middle of the mall. And wouldn't you know, the So Money calendar was right on display. I had no idea that it would be available. Why why wouldn't I have thought that? I don't know. But I I mean, it's been a while since I've been to the mall. I forget what the mall has. (laughs) And there it was, though. It was pretty exciting. The kids got to see it. We took pictures. The guy who ran the calendar kiosk was sort of fed up with us. We did buy some calendars. We made it worth it for him. Pretty cool, right? The So Money Page a Day 2022 calendar. I know a lot of you have already bought a copy or several copies. Thank you so much. Uh, But get it now while uh, they're hot because... Because once it's like March of 2022, it's not going to be that exciting. Start fresh. Start your new year off on the right foot. The calendar has advice. A lot of it stemming from this podcast. So it's nice if you've been listening to the show to feel like you can go back in time a little bit. And not for nothing, but this calendar will also tell you when it's Wednesday or Thursday. You can go to workman.com and type in so money. It'll take you straight to the So Money page a day calendar. Use the code So Money for a discount. I believe it's 20% off. All right, let us go to the mailbag, shall we? And answer your money questions. We've got questions about how to navigate the holidays when you and your partner are not on the same financial page as far as how much to spend on gifts and so forth. Retirement planning questions. Jason asks a really good opener question, I think. Kind of will level set us for the rest of the show. His question is a a broader picture question. And and here's what it is. He says, I'm going to be graduating with my master's in finance. I'm 38. I have a wife and I have a son. And there are so many money voices and perspectives on money saying that you should be investing, you should be saving, paying off debt. It seems like everything is a priority. Where can I start? How can I gauge my progress properly? How does one know if they're doing the right things with their money? I just want a plan where my family and I can follow and not feel like we're listening to so many different voices. Jason, thanks for your question and congrats on soon graduating with your degree in finance or master's in finance. See, even if you have a master's in finance, you still have questions about your own money. I 
can attest to this. I have a degree in finance from Penn State, came out of college with a lot of debt. I, I hear you. You know, the thing about the financial media world, the financial influencer world, on the one hand is that there's so many wonderful voices. A lot of them have come on this show. I love amplifying those voices, especially the voices that are underrepresented, whether that's Cindy Zuniga Sanchez, who's the founder of Zero Based Budgeting. She is a Latina financial expert. She was on the podcast recently. Tiffany Aliche, the budget nista. Rachel Rogers, the founder of Hello7, also a black woman. Sonny Israni, we've had on the show. He is the money gay on TikTok. Where we are with personal finance today in terms of giving advice, I feel is far more inclusive than it ever has been, which is great. That said, it's a lot of voices. It's a lot to sift through. And and you may not quickly identify with somebody's recipe for financial success. Um, so you have to kind of spend some time going through the offerings, so to speak. But I think that before you get into who to follow, and this is now answering your question, Jason, forget who's out there giving advice for a second. I want you to focus on you, Jason, and your family. What are your goals when it comes to money? What are the things that you want to accomplish this year? Well, maybe in 2022, because this year is pretty much over. What do you want to get a head start on uh, getting your finances in order? And then what are your three, five, 10-year plans. If you go and sit down with any experienced financial advisor, this is how the first meeting is going to go. They're not going to give you a plan until they ask you a ton of questions. Specifically, what are your wants and needs when it comes to designing your life? And what are the things that you want to be able to afford? Do you have debt? Are you investing for retirement? Do you have enough in savings? In order to understand what advice to follow, you need to first figure out what advice you need. And only you can answer this. Financial experts may offer very siloed pieces of advice. Some are just going to talk about investing. Others are really about getting out of debt. Others want to talk about budgeting. All that advice could be valid, but it doesn't really mean anything to you until you first know what your financial goals are. So I always say money is meaningless until you identify your goals. And all goals carry price tags. So once you figure out what your goals are, then you're off to creating a roadmap for yourself. As an example, you may decide that in the first year, next year, you really want to focus on getting out of debt. Maybe you have some loans from getting that master's and you want to get that squared away. Maybe that doesn't mean you're going to get rid of it in the first year, but you really want to start allocating your income in sort of a hierarchy, right? And there is a hierarchy, which I'm going to get to, but for you, figuring out what your priorities are will help to identify that hierarchy. But I do think that when it comes to personal finance, generally speaking, I would not recommend, say, investing in Bitcoin or even just investing in the stock market aggressively until you're until you've gotten a handle on debt and savings. It doesn't mean you've perfected debt and perfected savings, but that you're working on it. And if you've got a little bit of extra money, then after you've addressed these things, you're working on those goals, then, you know, think about investing. But investing is not the first thing you do out of the gate with your money. I think the first thing you do is save and then you work on debt. And then as you're saving and working on debt, hopefully together or, you know, somewhat in tandem, then you look at investing as you make more money and you have more capacity to put your money to work, so to speak. You look at investing in things like a 401k if you have access to one at work, if not an IRA or a brokerage account. 
to summarize here, money decisions, they must be rooted in goals first. So if you and your partner haven't yet determined what your short and long-term financial goals are, I would start there. And the end of the year is a great time to do this, to sort of take inventory of how you have been spending, what changes you want to be making, and where are you headed? Maybe we didn't do everything right in 2021. Maybe there are some areas for improvement. So how are we going to bring that into the new year and what kinds of changes are we going to make? If we know that we want to buy a house in three to five years, what does that mean for our spending plan? What does that mean for how we're investing, how we're paying down debt, right? What about our credit? How we looked at our credit? Because that's going to matter also when we go to uh, apply for a mortgage. That's what any good financial advisor is going to ask of you in that first meeting. And by the way, maybe you do work with a financial advisor. The first meeting is always free, so it doesn't hurt to shop around and maybe sit down with two, three different financial advisors. You can do this over Zoom and get their take on maybe some things you want to be thinking about, use them as a sounding board and get some of their insights. And maybe you do end up working with one of these people, but I can also help you skip that meeting and just tell you what you need to be working on. Goals are number one. But I do think, like I said earlier, that a hierarchy of financial needs is something to keep in mind. I wouldn't lean heavily into investing if you've got high interest credit card debt staring at you in the face. The hierarchy generally in my book is first to get some savings squared away. Now, I know that we often talk about six to nine months of savings. I'm not saying do that first entirely until you start looking at things like investing, but maybe get about a month or two's worth of your living expenses shored up and then uh, look to aggressively paying down your credit card debt. You'll pay the minimums on everything while you're saving, if you can, uh, and then once you've got savings, say for a month or two, then start putting extra towards the highest interest credit card debt. Then once you have a little bit of a cushion and you're attacking the debt, you've got a plan for the debt, uh, then maybe look into things like investing and other sorts of financial goals. I would then look at, see who are the experts out there that teach in a way that really supports your plan. And listen, the rules around 401, the rules around investing, the rules around paying down debt, saving, they're kind of all the same. So I would encourage you to more look at profiles. Who are these people that are giving advice? Can they relate to your circumstance? If you're a family, if you have a, lo- a small child, perhaps you would also benefit from working or following a financial quote unquote expert that is in a similar life stage or can speak from experience. I'm excited that you're in the So Money community. That makes me feel good. It makes me feel like you've made a conscious choice to be here. And I and I so appreciate that. But congrats to you on your pending graduation. I hope you and your family have a wonderful end to the year. And if there are more questions that I can help you with as you're planning out your financial goals, you know where to find me. All right, let's talk about our friend who wants some holiday spending advice. She says, what is your advice for a couple where one person is very money conscious and wants to put a spending limit on gifts and the other is offended by this? How does one approach this conversation? This is so relatable. First of all, I just want to say that the holidays bring out so many emotions, particularly if this is a new relationship, new-ish. I was in the same boat with my 
husband years and years ago when we were first dating, um, where we just grew up with very different Christmas holiday experiences from everything from like how we gifted to how much we spent on gifts. My family, my Persian family, because we're also not Christian, like it's super material around the holidays. Just tell me what you want. I'll buy that for you. Usually just a gift card to Nordstrom's. I'm being completely honest. And so there wasn't a whole lot of TLC that would go into the gift giving. And my husband's side of the family was not that TLC about it either, but there's just like so many people on his side of the family. It was like 10 times as many people. And so I would get frustrated because I'd say, why are we buying your third cousin twice removed? Doesn't make any sense. And he just said, well, this has been the tradition. And if I don't do it, then, you know, it's like judgment and all this stuff. So we just had very different cultures around the holidays. And I'll be honest, it took a while for us to kind of work out Our plan, and that's what I want to say to you, is that once you're in a committed relationship and you're looking at the holidays and thinking about, well, what are we going to do? I mean, part of it is, yes, honoring the traditions that you grew up with, but you also want to carve out your own traditions. So between the two of you, forget everybody else, what are the things that would make the two of you happy? Um... And I don't know the answer to this, but this is where you want to go back into the relationship and ask your partner, you know, first of all, where is this emotion coming from around needing to spend a lot of money on gifts and and really be there to listen and, and not to accuse and not to judge, but just like, I want to understand where this stems from and what is the feeling that he's trying to hold on to. It may be less, you may discover that it may actually be less about how much each person spends on the gifts, but more about the gesture. Maybe he's just seeking like that bigness, right? That the holidays for some of us has been this sort of like big moment, celebratory and gift giving is a part of that for some of us, but it doesn't always have to be how much did you spend? It could just be the thought, the idea. So getting to the heart of that matter with your partner, I think will be helpful for the both of you. But then also ask yourself the same question. Why are you someone who is trying to put a limit on things? Are you actually worried about budgets? Are you actually worried about debt? And this is something important to figure out so that You can bring that into the conversation and say, okay, well, I just want you to know I'm not coming from this place of stinginess or scroogeness, but I'm looking at like our Excel spreadsheet and I know what our goals are in 2022. We got to be careful how we spend. We want to set ourselves up for success. So perhaps your partner is not not seeing that part of it and it would be helpful. So coming to a conversation with some context, with some numbers, with some explaining behind what is at the root of what each of you is insisting upon. And it's going to evolve. I mean, look, it's like I said, this isn't a very straightforward thing, but my best advice to you is just to keep talking about it, try to get to the heart of the matter. And if it helps to say, okay, I understand that we have maybe some family expectations around the holidays that are really hard to curtail. Also, because like Christmas is 20 days away. (laughs) Um, We're not going to be that couple that's like, we're not doing gifts, bye. Between the two of us, you know, what can we do to start maybe a new tradition, but also factoring in what's important to the two of us? Can we find common ground? And that's what relationships are really all about, right? It's like not compromise, but like, you know, trying to just be rational 
and respectful. You may not like that answer, but I'm just being really honest. There's not like an app that I can tell you to download and it will solve all of your (laughs) Christmas stresses. But that's the work I think that has to go into play. Okay, next up is Stephanie who says, hey, Farnoosh, I'm such a huge fan. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I started listening to your show a couple of years ago. It has kick-started me into my love for personal finance. Since listening to you, I've been able to increase my salary by changing jobs twice. I'm now in a role that I love, and my salary with commission should be close to double what I was making when I first started listening to you. All right, Stephanie, high five. She says, in that time frame, I've also built up my emergency account. I've got over six months of savings. I've paid off all my high interest student loan debt. I just have a few low interest federal student loans left. I've got zero credit card debt. I've got a car loan, but it's a 0% financed loan and I've got great credit. Well, I don't know how I'm supposed to help you, but Oh, you've got a question. Okay, here's the question. She says, I'm 28 years old and I really want to start saving to buy a house now that my debt is under control and I have my emergency savings. Is it better to save all of my money for a down payment in a high yield savings account or should I be saving money in both a high yield savings in addition to a brokerage account? I am a buy and hold type of investor, and I think it will be quite some time before I can actually purchase the home. So I've got time. Just I live in the Bay Area. It's really expensive here to buy a home, but I am really inspired to achieve this goal. All right, Stephanie, I know you don't have a specific timeline for when you want to buy this house, but I've always said that if you need to access money that you're saving in the next five to seven years, don't put it in the stock market. If it if the market crashes, has a really bad year in say year three, year four, year five, you know, that's not a ton of time to recover and feel like you're withdrawing that money in year seven at the same places where you started in year one. So that's the thing. If you don't plan on needing this money until at least another seven to 10 years or longer, then sure, invest it. I would just invest it in a an index fund tracking the US stock market. But know that as you get closer to that five-year threshold, transition back to cash. This is true for any savings, whether it's retirement savings, college savings, saving for a home. The closer you get to needing that money, the less risk you want to take, right? So this is a really a question for you. I'm going to throw back a question to you, Stephanie. Is this home purchase more like a f- between now and the next five years? seven years goal? Or is it much further? Like, I don't want to do this in the next 10 years. And by the way, you're only going to be 38 in 10 years. And at that point, it might make more sense to buy your first home because you have a better sense of kind of where your life's headed and what your needs are. But it seems like you're rocking and rolling, Stephanie. Congratulations with everything that you've accomplished. And thank you so much for being in the audience. Okay, next is Abby, who says, hey, Farnoosh, love your podcast. I feel like it's one of the only things to actually keep me on track and motivate me in my money goals. Wow, that's a big compliment. Thank you, Abby. Or I should say not Abby. (laughs) That's her name on Instagram. My question is this. My husband and I make a combined $9,000 net a month and our necessary bills, including mortgage, car payments, groceries, et cetera, take up about 6,000 of that. We try to save about 1,000 a month, but we live in a major city and find so much of our money goes to ordering food, going out on the weekends, grabbing drinks, or 
coffee here and there, trips, all the things, doing things that we love. I'm hesitant to give up our 20-something lifestyle because I know that life can be short and I'm not willing to give those things up just so I can be more comfortable five years down the road when those five years are not promised. I'm planning to spend $10,000 or so on travel next year, but I know that won't allow me to build my six-month emergency fund as quickly. How do you balance living life's joys, going out to eat, taking trips with the responsible saving? All right, Abby, I was kind of living your life uh, in my 20s. And if you have been following me, if you know my story, the way that I made it all happen was I got multiple revenue streams. My one job wasn't going to cut it. And I had student loan debt. I had some credit card debt. I didn't have a car payment, but I I had a lot of the same expenses. And what I found to be really helpful was to get just, even just for starters, one side hustle, a couple hundred bucks a month in revenue. Can you think of something that you can do that would generate that much money and use that maybe specifically to, I don't know, pay off the car or go towards emergency savings so you can continue to do all the things that you love, but still do the responsible things too, like save. So that's one idea is to think about an extra revenue stream. What can you start doing? And I don't know what you like to do or what you're good at doing, but gosh, there are so many websites out there that can get us going, whether that's tutor.com where you can tutor, you can pet sit, you can go on a site like Elance and pick up some technical job transcription. There's TaskRabbit, Fiverr, and you can also sell things. I mean, that's another way to shore up some cash and maybe pad that savings account is to just think about like, what can I get rid of? Do I have some designer goods? Do I have some furniture? How can you quickly come up with some money to either throw at your savings, your debt, or even this vacation goal. The other thing that I really want to stress, and it sounds like you're sort of doing this, is automatically saving. You're saving automatically, you're trying to at least, it says $1,000 a month. Now, I don't know, is that automatic or is that just at the end of the month, you look at what you've done and you're like, okay, this month it's going to be, I guess, $300 because I went to a lot of restaurants. If you commit to the savings ahead of time, I feel like the chips fall in place. You know, it's just like with your 401k at work. If you commit to taking money out of your paycheck before it even hits your bank account, if you commit to that allocation before your money even hits checking, it's just gone. And I know at first when I did that, I felt like, oh, what am I doing? You know, this is going to leave me with nothing. But then you work with whatever's left. And the decision just gets done for you, whether you can go out to eat again or buy that thing that you saw on Instagram at 1230 in the morning when you were scrolling and you should have been sleeping. I want you to get to that nice $10,000 vacation next year. You have a you have time to start saving for that. And I would incorporate into that plan how you're going to beef up your savings as well. All right. Last question is from our friend who has ADHD just like my son. And he's got a question about how to budget when you have ADHD. He says, I have a spreadsheet. I track all my numbers. I know all my expenses, yet I continue to overspend. I miss certain details on my spreadsheet. I sometimes act impulsively before double checking to see if I can afford things. He says, I've tried budgeting apps, but I haven't been really consistent with them. Do you have any tools, any suggestions? Well, so firstly, I just want you to Monitor yourself, okay? Understand what your triggers are. When you're making impulsive decisions or when you're getting distracted, what else is going on? How are you feeling? I know that with my for my son, he's on medicine. We also regulate 
his sugar intake to an extent. I mean, he definitely gets his fair share of sugary stuff, but we try to be mindful of his environment. Uh, We don't expect him to focus if he hasn't had enough to eat, if his medicine hasn't really kicked in. We give him grace if he hasn't been outside to get some exercise, some fresh air. If you've known you've had ADHD for a while and you have been monitoring yourself, you know what sort of behaviors and environmental settings can help you be successful. How can you set yourself up for success? The way that you do that at work, the way that you do that in your day-to-day life should be the same way that you do that with your finance. Everyone's ADHD is different. So I I apologize in advance to some of the techniques that I'm talking about. This is just sort of like what I have experienced through my son and what I've what I've understood to be some of the techniques from speaking with doctors. I think automation is going to solve a lot of this for you too. Automatically, if you're not already automating as much of your of your financial life as possible, do that. Use those tools, those resources, those auto bill payments, those auto reminders. Like to get you to do what you need to do. This helps all of us because life's busy and we forget to do things. And we are also impulsive. I know for me, I tend to um, spend more when I'm tired. I'm online and I'm trying to just distract myself or I'm trying to avoid sleeping for whatever reason. I have FOMO. You know, I want to like make sure I've caught up on everything on social before I go to bed. Stupid. And then as a result, I fall prey to lots of ads. It's the holidays. And so, you know, you have to know yourself. And I stop myself in the middle of that. I will put the phone in the bathroom and then go back into my bed because keeping it next to my bed is a recipe for disaster sometimes. So my advice is not going to cure everything, but I hope that the takeaway for you here is just to do a self-evaluation, know what your triggers are, what are the things that you're implementing at work and at home to help you be successful. Think about transferring that also into your financial life and automate as much as you can. All right, that's our show today. Thank you so much for all of your questions. Excited for the weekend. We're gonna get our Christmas tree. We're gonna get some hot chocolate and we're gonna go see some tree lighting. We're gonna do it, right? You know, we wanna do that all before we hopefully don't have to shut down the world again with this variant, this new variant, but uh, stay safe. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I hope your weekend is so money. Money.